Yes, it was. And can you explain why? It was important, um, and it was actually stated in, 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 our, um, in our policy and in our strategy. It was important because uh, corruption was undermining uh, the integrity of the governance, uh, governance system in Ukraine. And as I noted in my statement, countries uh, that have uh, leaders uh, that are honest and trustworthy make better partners for us. Uh, countries uh, where there is a level playing field for our U.S. business um, makes it easier for our companies to, uh, to do business there, to trade, and to profit in those countries. And um, what had been happening since the Soviet Union, and this is very much a Soviet legacy, is that corrupt interests were undermining not only the governance, but also the economy of, of Ukraine. We see enormous potential in Ukraine and would like to have a more capable, more trustworthy partner there. And I know this may be awkward for you to answer since it's a question about yourself and your reputation, but is it fair to say that you earned a reputation for being a champion of anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine? Yes, yes. I don't know if you had a chance to watch uh, George Kent's testimony yesterday, but would you agree with his rather frank assessment that if you fight corruption, you're going to piss off some corrupt people? Yes. And in your efforts fighting corruption to advance U.S. policy interests, did you anger some of the corrupt leaders in Ukraine? Yes. Was one of those corrupt people Prosecutor General Yuri Litsenko? Yes, I believe so. Was another one of those corrupt people Litsenko's predecessor, another corrupt Prosecutor General named Viktor Shokin? Apparently so, although I've never met him. At some point, did you come to learn that both Letsenko and Shokin were in touch with Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's lawyer and representative? Yes. In fact, uh, did Giuliani try to overturn a decision that you participated in to deny Shokin a visa? Yes, that is what I was told. And that denial was based on Mr. Shokin's corruption? Yes, that's true. I, and. Was it Mr. Lutsenko, among others, who coordinated with Mr. Giuliani to peddle false accusations against you as well as the Bidens? Yes, that is my understanding. And were these smears also amplified by the president's son, uh, Donald Trump Jr., as well as certain f hosts on uh, Fox? Yes, um, yes, that is the case. In the face of this smear campaign, did colleagues at the State Department try to get a statement of support for you from Secretary Pompeo? Yes. Were they successful? No. Did you come to learn that they couldn't issue such a statement because they feared it would be undercut by the president? Yes. And then were you told that though you had done nothing wrong, you did not enjoy the confidence of the president and could no longer serve as ambassador? Yes, that is correct. And in fact, you flew home from Kiev on the same day as the inauguration of Ukraine's new president? That's true. That inauguration was attended by uh, three who have become known as the Three Amigos, Ambassadors Sondland, Volker, and Perry, was it? Yes. <clears throat> and three days after that inauguration, in a meeting with President Trump, are you aware that the president designated these Three Amigos to coordinate Ukraine policy with Rudy Giuliani? Since then, I've become aware of that. This is the same Rudy Giuliani who orchestrated the smear campaign against you? Yes. 
Uh, and the same Rudy Giuliani who during the now infamous July 25th phone call the president recommended to Zelensky in the context of the two investigations the president wanted into the 2016 election and the Bidens? Yes. And finally, Ambassador, in that July 25th phone call, the president praises one of these corrupt former Ukrainian prosecutors and says they were treated very unfairly. They were treated unfairly. Not you, who was smeared and recalled, but one of them. What message does that send to your colleagues in the U.S. Embassy in Kiev? I'm just not sure what the basis for that kind of a statement would be. Certainly not from our reporting years. Did you have concern, though, or do you have concern today about what message the president's action sends to the people who are still in Ukraine representing the United States when a well-respected ambassador can be smeared out of her post um, with the participation and acquiescence of the president of the United States? Well, it's, uh, I think, been a big hit for morale, uh, both at U.S. Embassy Kyiv, um, but also more broadly uh, in the State Department. Is it fair to say that other ambassadors and others of lesser rank who serve the United States and embassies around the world might look at this and think, if I take on corrupt people in these countries, that could happen to me? I think that's a fair statement, yes. Mr. Goldman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ambassador Ivanovich, on April 24th of this year, at approximately 10 p.m., you received a telephone call while you were at the embassy in Kyiv from the Director General of the State Department. This was just three days after President Zelensky's election and the call between <laughs> President Trump and President Zelensky that we just heard from Ranking Member Nunez. At the time that this urgent call came in, what were you in the middle of doing? I was hosting an event uh, in honor of Katya Hanzuk, who is an anti-corruption activist, or was an anti-corruption activist in Ukraine. Uh, we had given her um, the um, Woman of Courage Award uh, from Ukraine, and in fact, uh, the Worldwide uh, Woman of Courage event at the Worldwide uh, Woman of Courage event in Washington, D.C., Secretary Pompeo uh, singled her out uh, for her amazing work in, in Ukraine to fight corrupt interests in the, in the south of, of Ukraine. She very tragically died because she was attacked by acid and uh, several months later died a, a, a very, very painful death. We thought it was important uh, that justice be done for Katya Hansyuk and for others who fight corruption in Ukraine, because this is, it's not a, you know, kind of a tabletop exercise there. Uh, lives are in the balance. And um, so we uh, wanted to bring attention to this. We held an event um, and gave her father, who of course is still mourning her, uh, that, uh, that award, the Women of Courage event. And her Cur Women of Courage award stemmed from her anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine? Yes, that is true. Was it ever determined who threw the acid and, and killed her? There have been investigations, but um, uh, while uh, some of the 
lower ranking individuals that um, were involved in this uh, have been arrested. Those who ordered uh, this have not yet been apprehended. After you stepped away from this anti-corruption event to take this call, what did the Director General tell you? She said that there was uh, great concern on the seventh floor of the State Department. That's where the leadership of the State Department sits. There was great concern. Uh, they were worried. Um, she just wanted to give me a heads up about this. Um, and, you know, things seemed to be going on. And so she just wanted to give me a heads up. I, you know, it's hard to know how to react to something like that. I asked her what it was about. Uh, what did she think it was about? Uh, she didn't know. She said that she was going to try and find out more, but she had wanted to um, give me a heads up. In fact, I think she may even have been instructed uh, to give me a heads up on that. And so I asked her, you know, kind of what is the next step here? So she said she would try to uh, find out more and she would try to call me uh, by midnight. What happened next? Uh, around one o'clock uh, in, uh, in the morning, uh, she called me again and she said that um, there were great concerns. Um, there were concerns up the street, and she um, said I needed to get on the home, come home immediately, get on the next plane um, to the U.S. Um, and I asked her why, <laughs> and she said she wasn't sure, but there were concerns about my security. I asked her my physical security because sometimes Washington knows more than we do about these things, and she said no, she hadn't gotten that impression that it was a physical. Uh, security issue, but they were concerned about my security and I needed to come home right away. Um, you know, I argued uh, this is extremely irregular and, um, and no reason given. Uh, but in the end, um, I, I did get on the next plane home. You said you, there were concerns up the street. What did you understand that to mean? The White House. Did she explain in any more detail what she meant by concerns about your security? No, uh, she didn't. I, I did specifically ask whether this had to do with um, the um, Mayor Giuliani's um, allegations against me and so forth, and she said she didn't know. Um, it didn't even actually appear to me that she seemed to be aware of that. Um, no, no, no reason was offered. Did she explain what the urgency was for you to come back on the next flight? Uh, the only thing that's pertinent to that was that when she said that they were, there were concerns about my security. That's all. But it was not further explained. Now, prior to this abrupt callback to Washington, D.C., had you been offered an extension of your post by the State Department? Yes. Uh, undersecretary, uh, the Undersecretary for Political Affairs had asked whether I would extend for another, uh, another year, uh, departing in July of 2020. When was that request made? Uh, in early March. So about a month and a half before this call? Yes. Did anyone at the State Department ever express concerns about your job performance? No. Now, after you returned to Washington a couple days after that, you met with the Deputy Secretary of State. And at your deposition, you said that the Deputy Secretary of State told you that you had done nothing wrong, but that there was a concerted campaign against you. What did, what did he mean by that? I'm not exactly sure, uh, but I took it to mean uh, that uh, the allegations that Mayor Giuliani and others 
uh, were putting out there that that's, that that's what it was. And who else was involved in this concerted campaign against you? Um, there were some members of, uh, of the press and others in Mayor Giuliani's circle. And who from Ukraine? Uh, in Ukraine, uh, I think, uh, well, Mr. Lutsenko, uh, the prosecutor general, uh, and Mr. Shokin, his, his predecessor, uh, certainly. And at this time, Mr. Lutsenko was the lead prosecutor general, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And had President Zelensky indicated whether or not he was going to keep him on after the election? Uh, he had indicated he would not be keeping on Mr. Lutsenko. And I believe you testified earlier that Mr. Lutsenko had a, a reputation as, for being corrupt, is that right? That's correct. Now, during this conversation, did the Deputy Secretary tell you about your future as the ambassador to Ukraine? Well, he told me I needed to leave. What did he say? Um, he said that, um, I mean, there was a lot of back and forth, but ultimately he said uh, the words that, you know, every Foreign Service under uh, officer understands, the President has lost confidence in you. That was, you know, a terrible thing to hear. And, um, and I said, well, you know, I guess I have to go then. Um, but no, no real reason was offered as to why I had to leave and why it was being done in such a manner. Did you have any indication that the State Department had lost confidence in you? No. And were you provided any reason why the President lost confidence in you? No. Now, you testified at your deposition that you were told at some point that Secretary Pompeo had tried to protect you, but that he was no longer able to do that. Were you aware of these efforts to protect you? No, I was not until, um, until that uh, meeting with uh, Deputy Secretary Sullivan. And were you, did you understand who he was trying to protect you from? Well, my understanding was that um, the president had wanted me to leave, and there was some discussion about that over the prior months. <clears throat> Did you have any understanding why Secretary Pompeo was no longer able to protect you? No, it was just a statement made that he was no longer able to protect me. So just like that, you had to leave Ukraine as soon as possible? Yes. How did that make you feel? Terrible, honestly. Um, I mean, after 33 years of service to our country, um, it was terrible. It's not the way I wanted my career to end. Now, you also told the Deputy Secretary that this was a dangerous precedent. What did you mean by that? I was worried, I was worried about our policy, but also personnel that, and I asked him, how, how are you going to explain this to uh, people in the State Department, the press, the public, um, the Ukrainians, uh, because everybody is watching. And so if people see somebody who, uh, and, and of course it had been very public, uh, the, uh, frankly, the attacks on me by Mayor Giuliani and others, and Mr. Lutsenko in Ukraine, if people see that I, who have been, um, you know, promoting our policies uh, on anti-corruption, uh, if they can undermine me and get me pulled out, 
of Ukraine. What does that mean for our policy? Do we still have that same policy? How are we going to affirmatively put that forward, number one? Number two, uh, when other countries, other actors in other countries see that um, private interests, foreign interests uh, can come together and uh, get a U.S. ambassador removed, what's going to stop them from doing that in the future in other countries? Uh, often, uh, the work we do, we try to be diplomatic about it, but as uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent said, uh, you know, sometimes we get people really angry with us. It's uncomfortable. And um, we are doing our jobs, uh, but sometimes people become very angry with us. And if they realize that they can just remove us, uh, they're going to do that. How did the Deputy Secretary respond? He, he said those were good questions, and um, he would get back to me. Did he ever get back to you? He asked to see me the following day. What did he say to you then? Uh, he really, the conversation was more, um, and you know, again, I'm grateful for this, but really more to see how I was doing um, and uh, you know, what would I do next, uh, kind of uh, how, how could he help. But he didn't address the dangerous precedent that you flagged for him? No. Now you understood, of course, that the President of the United States could remove you and that you served at the pleasure of the President, is that right? That's right. But in your 33 years as a Foreign Service officer, have you ever heard of a President of the United States recalling another ambassador without cause based on allegations that the State Department itself knew to be false? No. Now, you testified in your opening statement that you had left Ukraine by the time of the July 25th call between President Trump and President Zelensky. When was the first time that you saw the call record for this phone call? When it was released publicly at the end of September, I believe. And prior to reading that call record, were you aware that President Trump had specifically made reference to you in that call? No. What was your reaction to learning that? I was shocked, absolutely shocked and, and devastated, frankly. What do you mean by devastated? I was shocked and devastated that um, I would feature in a phone call between two heads of state uh, in such a manner uh, where um, President Trump said that I was bad news to another world leader uh, and that I would be going through some things. Um, so I was, it, it was, it was a terrible moment. Uh, a person who saw me actually reading the transcript said that the color drained from my face. I think I even had a physical reaction. Um, I, I think, you know, even now words kind of fail me. Well, uh, without upsetting you too much, I'd like to show you the excerpts um, from the call. And the first one where President Trump says, <clears throat> the former ambassador from the United States, the woman, was bad news, and the people she was dealing with in the Ukraine were bad news. So I just want to let you know. What was your reaction when you heard the President of the United States refer to you as bad news? 
And I couldn't believe it. I mean, again, shocked, appalled, devastated that um, the President of the United States would talk about any ambassador uh, like that um, to a foreign uh, head of state. And it was me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. The next excerpt, when the pre President references you, <clears throat> was a short one. But he said, well, she's going to go through some things. What did you think when President Trump told President Zelensky and you read that you were going to go through some things? I didn't know what to think, um, but I was very concerned. What were you concerned about? She's going to go through some things. It didn't sound good. It sounded like a threat. Did you feel threatened? I did. How so? I didn't know exactly. It's not, you know, a very precise phrase, but I think um, it, it, it didn't feel like I was, uh, I really don't know how, how to answer the question any further except to say that uh, it kind of felt like a vague threat. And so I wondered what that meant. It concerned me. Now, in this same call where the president, as you just said, threatens you to a foreign leader, he also praises, rather, the corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor who led the false smear campaign against you. I want to show you another excerpt or two from the transcript, or the call record, rather, where the president of the United States says, good, because I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good and he was shut down and that's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that. The way they shut your very good prosecutor down and you had some very bad people involved. And he went on later to say, I heard the prosecutor was treated very badly and he was a very fair prosecutor. So good luck with everything. Now, Ambassador Ivanovich, after nearly three years in Ukraine where you tried to clean up the prosecutor general's office, was it the U.S. Embassy's view that the former prosecutor general was a very good and very fair prosecutor? No, it was not. And in fact, he was rather corrupt, is that right? That was our belief. The prosecutor general's office is a long-running problem in Ukraine, is that right? Yes. So how did you feel when you heard President Trump speak so highly of the corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor who helped to execute the smear campaign to have you removed? Well, it was, it was disappointing. It was concerning. Um, it wasn't certainly based on anything that the State Department would have reported or frankly, anybody else in the US government. Uh, there was a, an interagency consensus that while uh, when Mr. Lutsenko came into office, we were very hopeful that he would actually do the things that he said he would set out to do, including uh, reforming the prosecutor general's office, uh, but that did not materialize. So this was not the uniform position of the official U.S. policymakers, is that right? Right. Now let's go back to the 
smear campaign that you referenced, and in March when you said it became public. And you previously testified that you had learned that Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's lawyer and, and representative, who was also mentioned in that July 25th call, was in regular communication with the corrupt prosecutor general in late 2018 and in early 2019. And at one point in your deposition, you said that they, that being Giuliani and the corrupt foreign uh, prosecutor general, had plans to, quote, do things to me. What did you mean by that? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really know, but that's what I had been told by Ukrainian officials. Did you subsequently understand a little bit more what that meant? Well, you know, now, with the advantage of hindsight, I think that meant removing me from my job in Ukraine. Who did you understand to be working with Mr. Giuliani as his uh, associates in Ukraine? Um, well, certainly uh, Mr. Lutsenko, Mr. Shokin. Uh, I believe that there were also uh, Ukrainian-Americans, Mr. Parnas and Mr. Freeman, who have recently been indicted. They, those are the two who have been indicted in New York? Southern District of New York. Now, at the end of March, this effort by Giuliani and his associates resulted in a series of articles in the Hill publication that were based on allegations in part from Lutsenko, the corrupt polit uh, prosecutor general. And just to summarize some of these allegations, there were among others, three different categories. One category included the attacks against you, which you referenced in your opening statement, including that you had badmouthed the president and had given the prosecutor general a do not prosecute list. There was another that included allegations of Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. And then there was a third that related to allegations concerning Burisma and the Bidens. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yes. Were these articles and allegations then promoted by others associated with the president in the United States? They seem to be promoted by those around um, Mayor Giuliani. I'm going to show you a couple of uh, exhibits, including a tweet here by President Trump himself on March 20th, which was the first day that uh, one of these articles was published. It appears to be a, uh, a quote uh, that says, John Solomon, who's the author of the articles, colon, as Russia collusion fades, Ukrainian plot to help Clinton emerges, unquote, at Sean Hannity at Fox News. And then if I could go to another tweet four days later, this is the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., who tweets, we need more at Richard Grinnell's, who's the ambassador to Germany, is that right? That's correct. And less of these jokers as ambassadors. And it's a retweet of one of John Solomon's articles, or an article referencing the allegations that says, calls grow to remove Obama's US ambassador to Ukraine. Were you aware of these tweets at the time? Yes. What was your reaction to seeing this? Well, I was worried. What were you worried about? Uh, that this didn't seem, these attacks were, uh, you know, being repeated by the president himself and, and his son. And were you aware whether they 
received attention on primetime television on Fox News as well? Yes, I did. Now, were the, was the allegation that you were bad-mouthing President Trump true? No. Was the allegation that you had created a do not prosecute list to give to the prosecutor general in Ukraine true? No. In fact, didn't the corrupt prosecutor general himself later recant those allegations? Yes. Now, when these articles were first published, did the State Department issue a response? As you said, there was a series of articles. So after the first article, uh, which was an interview uh, with uh, Mr. Lutsenko and was only uh, really about me and made certain allegations about me, the State Department came out the following day with a, a very strong statement um, saying that uh, you know these, these allegations were fabrications. So the statement addressed the falsity of the allegations themselves? Yes. It didn't say anything about your job performance in any way? Um, you know, honestly, I, I haven't looked at it in a very long time. I think it was generally probably laudatory, but I, I can't recall. Did anyone in the State Department raise any concerns with you or express any belief in these allegations? No. I mean, people thought it was ridiculous. Now, after these false allegations were made against you, did you have any discussions with anyone in leadership in the State Department about a potential statement of support from the department or the secretary himself? Yes, after um, the, the tweets that, that you uh, just showed us, um, I mean, it seemed to me that uh, if um, the president's son is, is um, uh, saying things like this, that it would be very hard to continue in my position and have authority in Ukraine uh, unless the State Department came out pretty strongly behind me. And so, uh, you know, over, <clears throat> over the weekend of uh, like March 22nd, I think that's about the date, um, there was a lot of discussion on email uh, among um, a, a number of people about what could, what could be done. Uh, I um, and um, undersecretary, the undersecretary for political affairs called me on, on Sunday and I, I said, you know, it's really important that the secretary himself come out and be supportive because otherwise it's hard for me to be the kind of representative you need here. Um, and he said he would talk to the secretary. I mean, that was, that's my recollection of the call. That may not be exactly how it played out, but that was the, the, my recollection. This is um, David Hale, the undersecretary of political affairs, who's the number three person at the State Department? Yes. Did he indicate to you that he supported such a, a statement of support for you? I think he must have, because I don't think he would have gone to the secretary if he, if he didn't support it. I mean, you wouldn't bring a bad idea to the secretary of state. Your general understanding is that you did have the full support of the State Department, is that right? Yes. And in fact, during your 33-year career as a Foreign Service officer, did you ever hear of any serious concerns about your job performance? No. Was this statement of support ultimately issued for you? No, it was not. Did you learn why not? Yeah, uh, yes. I was uh, told that there was a concern on the seventh floor 
that if a statement of support was issued, uh, whether by the State Department or um, by the Secretary personally, that it could be undermined. How would it, could it be undermined? That the President might uh, issue a, a tweet contradicting that or something to that effect. So let me see if I get this right. You were one of the most senior diplomats in the State Department. You've been there for 33 years. You've won numerous awards. You've been appointed as an ambassador three times by both Republican and Democratic presidents. And the State Department would not issue a statement in support of you against false allegations because they were concerned about a tweet from the President of the United States? That's my understanding. Mr. if I could follow up on that question, it seems like an appropriate time. Um, Ambassador Ivanovich, uh, as we sit here testifying, the President is attacking you on Twitter. Um, and I'd like to give you a chance to respond. I'll read part of one of his tweets. Everywhere Marie Ivanovich went turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Uh, he goes on to say, uh, later in the tweet, is a U.S. President's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. First of all, uh, Ambassador Ivanovich, the Senate has a chance to confirm or deny an ambassador, do they not? Yes, advise and consent. But would you like to respond to the President's attack that everywhere you went turned bad? Well, I, I mean, I don't... I don't think I have such powers, uh, not in Mogadishu, Somalia, Somalia, not in other places. I actually think that um, where I've served over the years, um, I and others have demonstrably um, made things better, you know, for the U.S. as well as for the countries uh, that I've served in. Uh, Ukraine, for example, where there are huge challenges, including, you know, on the issue that we're discussing today of, of corruption huge challenges, but they've made a lot of progress since 2014, including in the years that I was there. And I think in part, uh, I mean, the Ukrainian people get the most, um, the most credit for that. But a part of that credit goes to the work of the United States and, um, and to me as the ambassador in, in, the United, uh, in Ukraine. Ambassador, um, you've shown the courage to come forward today and testify. Notwithstanding the fact you were urged by the White House or State Department not to, notwithstanding the fact that, as you testified earlier, the President implicitly threatened you in that call record, and now the President in real time is attacking you, what effect do you think that has on other witnesses' willingness to come forward and expose wrongdoing? Well, uh, it's very intimidating. It's designed to intimidate, is it not? I, I mean, I can't speak to what the president is trying to do, but I think the effect is to be intimidating. Well, I want to let you know, Ambassador, that some of us here take witness intimidation very, very seriously. Uh, Mr. Goldman. Ambassador Ivanovich, you indicated that those same articles in March that included the smear campaign mm -hmm. 
also included allegations related to Ukraine's interference in the 2016 election and the Burisma Biden connection. Is that right? Yes. So I'm going to end my questioning where we were before, which was the July 25th call. And President Trump not only insults you and praises the corrupt prosecutor general, but he also, as you know by now, references these two investigations. First, immediately after President Zelensky thanks President Trump for his, quote, great support in the area of defense, unquote, President Trump responds, I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. And then he goes on in that same paragraph to say, whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. Now, Ambassador Ivanovich, from your experience as the ambassador in Ukraine for almost three years, an understanding that President Zelensky was not in politics before he ran for president and was a new president on this call. How would you expect President Zelensky to interpret a request for a favor? The U.S. Uh, relationship for Ukraine is the single most important relationship. And so I think that um, President Zelensky, any president, would um, you know, do what they could to um, you know, lean in on a favor request. I'm not saying that that's a yes. I'm saying they would try to lean in and see what they could do. Fair to say that a president of Ukraine that is so dependent on the United States would do just about anything within his power to please the president of the United States, if he could? You know, if he could. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are limits. Uh, and I understand there were a lot of discussions in the Ukrainian government about all of this. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we are an important relationship on the security side and on the political side. And so the president of Ukraine, uh, one of the most important functions that individual has is to make sure the relationship with the U.S. is rock solid. Now, are you familiar with these allegations of Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election? I mean, there have been rumors out there about things like that, but, uh, you know, uh, there was nothing hard, at least nothing that I was aware of. There was nothing based in fact to right. support these allegations. Yes. And in fact, who was responsible for interfering and meddling in the 2016 election? Well, the U.S. intelligence community has concluded that it was Russia. Ambassador Ivanovich, are you aware that in February of 2017, Vladimir Putin himself promoted this theory of Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election? You know, maybe I knew that once and have forgotten, but I, I'm not familiar with it now. Well, yeah. let me show you a press statement that President Putin made in a joint press conference with Viktor Orban of Hungary on February 2nd of 2017, where he says, second, as we all know, during the presidential campaign in the United States, 
the Ukrainian government adopted a unilateral position in favor of one candidate. More than that, certain oligarchs, certainly with the approval of the political leadership, funded this candidate, or female candidate, to be more precise. Now, how would this theory of Ukraine interference in the 2016 election be in Vladimir Putin's interest? Well, uh, I mean, President Putin must have been aware that uh, there were concerns in the U.S. about uh, Russian meddling in the 2016 elections and what the potential was for Russian meddling in the future. Uh, so, uh, you know, classic uh, for uh, an intelligence officer to try to throw off the scent and, you know, create an alternative narrative that maybe might get picked up and get some credence. An alternative narrative that would absolve his own wrongdoing? Yeah. And when he talks about an oligarch and he talks about the support of the Ukrainian government, there's also a reference in the July 25th call to a wealthy Ukrainian. Is it your understanding that what Vladimir Putin is saying here in this press statement in February 2017 is similar to what President Trump says on the July 25th call related to the 2016 election? Maybe. Now let me show you another exhibit from the call related to the Bidens, which I'm sure you're familiar with. President Trump says the other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. Now, are you familiar with the allegation, these allegations related to Vice President Biden? Yes. <clears throat> Do you know whether he ever went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution of anyone? No. And in fact, when Vice President Biden acted to remove the former corrupt prosecutor in Ukraine, did he do so as part of official United States policy? Official U.S. policy. That, and that was, was endorsed and um, was the policy of a number of other international stakeholders, other countries, other um, monetary institutions, financial institutions. And in fact, if he helped to remove a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor general who was not prosecuting enough corruption, that would increase the chances that corrupt companies in Ukraine would be investigated. Isn't that right? One would think so. And that could include Burisma, right? Yes. Now, at the time of this call, Vice President Biden was the front runner for the Democratic nomination for president and President Trump's potential next opponent in the election. Is it your understanding that President Trump's request to have Vice President Biden investigated, was that part of official U.S. policy as you knew it? Well, I I should say that I had, uh, at the time of this phone call, I had already departed Ukraine two months pre prior. Right, but you're familiar with, it didn't change that much in two months, right? It, it, it certainly would not have been the policy in May when I left. And were, you, were these two investigations part of the anti-corruption platform that you championed in Ukraine for three years? 
No. And these investigations, do they appear to you to be to benefit the president's personal and political interests rather than the national interest? Well, they certainly could. Now, just returning to the allegations in the Hill publication in March that were promoted by Mr. Giuliani, the president's lawyer, were those two allegations similar to the two allegations that the president wanted President Zelensky to investigate? Yes. So ultimately, in the July 25th phone call with the Ukrainian president, the president of the United States endorsed the false allegations against you and the Bidens. Is that right? Yes. I yield back, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I have a parliamentary inquiry, please. The gentleman will suspend. Um, votes are fairly imminent. We're going to take a brief recess.